there's something about being on stage and people looking at you and like they're kind of like backs against the wall and constantly having to prove yourself for some reason so like a sex club a sex club <laughs> i've never been so i'm sorry if i don't get the reference i was just, sorry i forgot your uh, your podcast on the disney channel my it's apologies on disney plus yes come yeah. on we're, six, we're successful here okay yeah we my apologies we'll have to well edit that one out that's awkward we'll edit sex out um but yeah i just for some reason when i'm pushed against the wall i'm able to kind of bring my personality out but other than that like in real life it's it's difficult for me man i'm kind of like a a boring person like i'm introverted you know but you seem so like sociable when you're out and about not really? on stage really but, like when you're out and about like when i saw every time i see you you're always talkative and like friendly and like outgoing so I would never think that you were this person that what you just described. Oh, uh, maybe I'm just in my own head, man. I'm I'm one of the most. I think you're in your own head because you're very personable when you're when I when I've seen you out and about. You're always nice and talkative and chatty with people. I always like, and if you're not, I just you're like you won't shut up, James. To be honest, <laughs> God, really? No, but honestly, when you're like, if you're ever quiet, I'm just thinking that you're going over your material. Oh, really? Dude, I don't know. It's const it's a constant like uh juggling match in my head. Just kind of like, all right, let me talk to that person, let me be social, but like I gotta go on stage a little bit. Do you get this when before you go on, when someone talks to you, are you just like you're you're paying attention, trying to be in the moment, but then you're also thinking like, I gotta go on stage and what am I gonna do? Like, do you have that split in your head? Oh my god. Every single time I go on stage, but uh, I I I add something to that. I don't know if you do. So mm -hmm. I love crowd work and I'm do and I'm actually trying to do less and less crowd work yeah. and really push a straight set of material now when I go on. But I mean, I'm, it's something that I'm always trying to improve upon and learn. But yeah. for me, on top of like, this is what I want to talk about. I'm also scanning the audience and I'm trying to see who's where, you know, yeah. I'll give you an example. I did Bushwick Bears. Mm -hmm. which was a wonderful show. Like I did that show and it's at the stand and it's produced by Derek Comfrey and a few of his uh, Bushwick Bear buddies. And- Oh, it's not in Bushwick. It's a, it was at the stand? Right, it's at the stand. It was like Bushwick Bears. If that's not the gayest thing I've ever heard. Ah, uh, no, I love them so much. Wait, is that is that uh, what it's for? Are they, is it bear? No, no, it's not. It's just <laughs> them. It's just three Bushwick Bears. And I was like, you're a bear, you're a bear, you're an otter. Like, let's all, like, let's, we're going to be correct. So we're going to be politically correct here, obviously, because it's 2021. It's Disney. It's Disney. So, yeah. No, joking. but I did, I did, uh, I did a, a set on their show. And I just remember before going on, I was having like being just chatty with people. But then I'm also thinking of what I'm going to talk about. Also looking at the audience and I'm like, con I'm looking at who I can talk to in the audience and who I can make fun of or who I can call out. Yeah. And so like I'm constant, it's like an analyzation of the entire audience. And I like to do that. Does it always work? No, but in a lot of times I find things that are, that most people would not see. Yeah. And so I look at like, I, I went up on stage and I literally just made fun of this woman for looking like, looking like she owned like a thousand anthropology stores, you know? <laughs> so it's just, it's like, it's like, it's that in my mind, I have, I'm trying to not 
lose focus, but I have such ADHD that I see where you are, where yeah. you're coming from, where you're like, I got to be chitty chatty, but then I got to focus on what I want because I, I don't know about you, but I know that like when I go up on stage, there are maybe one or two bits that are new that I want to try. Yeah. And so I'm trying to make sure that I remember where to put those in and how to do them and things like that. So, yeah. I will say this. It's, it's, it's gr what you're saying is actually really good because you're being in the moment and present. You're like, what do you call it? Reading the crowd. Right. It's great. And like, I've seen you do that stuff and it always kills. I mean, like every time you go on, you always have a good set. Cause, cause you know, you're pointing out what's going on in the crowd and, and uh, you're just in the moment, you know, you seem very present. It seems like it's on the spot, which it kind of is. Um, but I always struggle. Like I, you kind of mentioned it earlier. Like I'm trying to just do like a straight set, you know, it's like, that's tough for me too. And it's like, like, sometimes I just think it's like, I think about these like really like material heavy, like comics, like uh, Sam Morell or like Mark Norman or like Joe List or this guy, Chris Porter, I opened for once that they literally, as soon as he got on stage, opened his mouth, whole act for 55 minutes, got off. No, no talk to the crowd whatsoever. And I'm almost like, they must have a different like, thing in their brain you know where they could just do that and not get bored or not like just get adhd and start just wanting to talk to people because i'm the same way as you i like to go in the crowd because it's fun it's natural and like sometimes i just even though i like my material and i'm working on it you're saying the same shit over and over again a lot of the times it's like the million times i said this joke so i get tired of it and i get bored and i just you know sometimes going in the crowd gets me a natural again you know and then once I got like a big laugh from crowd work, I go back into the material a little more like juiced up. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I, I, I actually see where you're coming from. For the longest time, you know, I'm, I always strive and struggle to learn how to be a better comic. And right. one of the things that I relied heavily on a lot when I first started and for a while is just crowd work. And I didn't do a lot of writing. And... You know, I just, I didn't. And one thing that, a silver lining that happened because of the pandemic, you know, I was about, as soon as the pandemic hit, I was like, you know what, I'm going to quit comedy. I just, it's not for me. I swear. I was like, I'm going to no. quit comedy. Yeah. I was You're like, oh shit. Quit. I saw you every day on Zoom shows. <laughs> right. But, but not because, so here's the thing. I, I did the industry room at Broadway right before in February, like February 22nd, I did the industry room. Yeah. And I was like gearing up and I was like, this is amazing. I'm going to get going. I'm going to move, you know, it's not move, but I'm going to like hustle it. I, I, this is my opportunity. And then everything shut down. Mm -hmm. And I just looked at it as a sign that I was like, all right, maybe I just shouldn't do comedy. And so it's weird. It, that's just the sign that I, I felt in my mind. And then I started doing more open mics and I was like, all right, you know, I'm bored. There's nothing else to do. Let me start doing more open mics. And I started doing more open mics and I started writing and I started writing and I was writing and I was like, all right, what can I talk about? What can I do? And then I started doing Zoom shows and I was like, all right, I can do this bit. And then I can talk about this bit that I normally like to talk about. And I can talk about this and talk about that. And I noticed that I was writing more and more. And the silver lining of this pandemic is that it taught me that I need to write. Like I can rely on, 
I, I, I can't rely on always just doing crowd work. Like if I need to advance as a comedian and be an all around good comic, I need to have a strong set. And one of the things that I really appreciated about Broadway Comedy Club is when I did the industry room, uh, everything shut down. At, as soon as things started opening up, Rich, who does the booking there, reached out to me and he's like, hey, I remember you. I know we owe you some spots. And I was like, holy shit. That's so amazing. I came, yeah. And I was that like, it's not I common. I'm, I'm still trying to rebook 90% of the shit I lost. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. And it's, um, it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, he, he, he reached out and he was like, hey, I know I owe you some spots. And I was like, well, fuck. This is, yeah, oh, great. Okay, so, uh, let's do it. And, you know, I did, uh, I did, a, I did one show and he was there and he was like, and I don't know if he saw me there or if he saw my set, but he was like, I need from you more material. Ooh. He's like, I need to hear more material. And I, I appreciate constructive feedback because yeah. I need to know what I need to work on. Like as a comedian, I can't just be like, I'm going to go out. No, I need to be able to, like, I need to be able to structure jokes, put together a set, continuously working because I, I want to be an all around good comic. And I look at comedians like, you know, like Leslie Jones or Robin Williams or other people or Joan Rivers who bank on doing comedy, but also crowd work. Like I love I loved Robin Williams. His mind was like a thousand miles a minute. Yeah. And he could do a set, but he loved interacting with the audience. And yeah. that's something that I love doing. So to your point, there are comedians that I look at and I'm like, damn, I wish that I could do 55 minutes material, all good shit, no mm -hmm. crowd work. But then I realized that that's not the kind of comedian I am. Exactly. Not to say that anything different, it's just that I enjoy incorporating crowd work and talking to people because I am such a personable person that I want to get to know people. And from crowd work, I kind of find material. Yeah, I, I'm totally on board. Like, I, that was the thing I had at some point. Um, it's actually, it's funny. Like I, I, I went through like a whole, like, I do too much material and I have no personality. Um, so I was trying to do more crowd work and then I've gone through uh, phases where I'm, I'm doing too much crowd work. My material sucks because that's why I'm doing crowd work. But at the end of the day, whatever you feel like, like I, I was talking to this uh, veteran comic the other day. He was like, you can't care what anyone thinks of you. So I right. think, I don't know how you feel, but for me, it's always like, oh, they're going to think I'm only doing crowd work. You know, like that's what I think in my mind if I'm doing crowd work in front of any, anyone else or whoever's going on next, right? Meanwhile, they're, on, they're not giving, they're in their phone, you know, not even watching my set. But you just got to do what you like. And that's, I'm the same way. I like doing crowd work. I love calling people stupid and like, you know, like I love that hack joke. How long have you been together? And they don't immediately answer. You go, oh, right. you have no idea, you know? Right. Exactly. And that's the thing though. It's like, you, I felt like a lot like you. I felt that when I got on stage and I, uh, and I performed and all, I did a heavy crowd work set, I felt bad because I wasn't, doing material but then i realized um but then i realized my goal is to make the audience laugh yes at the end of the day that's my goal and if i can make the audience have fun and laugh and for seven eight 
10 minutes, however long I'm on stage, if I can make them forget all of their cares and all of their worries for that amount of time, then I've succeeded. Absolutely. That's all that matters. And I think you're absolutely right. It's like, I can't compare myself to another comedian who just came off because we're, I, I, don't, I, I can't do that. I, and I've learned that I can't compare myself. I am my own personality. Yeah. And when I get on stage and perform, this is who I am. And people, either people enjoy it or not. And whether it contains crowd work or material, as long as I'm making the audience laugh, that's all that matters. Smile most of the time, but I'll take laughing. Right, right, right. Chuckles uh, most of the time. But here's the thing. Yeah, I'll take chuckles. I'll take anything. I'll take a fucking, yeah. uh, uh, someone looking at something else on their phone and laughing. But right. I would say this though, like your crowd work is good though. That's, that's another thing we got to distinguish. Like there's some good crowd work and bad crowd work. You do crowd work where it's like, it's interesting and funny and like engaging. Some people do crowd work. They'll get a laugh, but it's just like, you could tell they're almost like bullying the crowd. You know what I mean? So at least it's, 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 it's not like that. I don't know if there is a, I don't know if there is a key to crowd work. Mm-hmm. I think what listening, helps, I think listening could be a key, like listening and actually like responding, like you're in a conversation. Well, I think a lot of people, they go into crowd, they go into doing comedy and crowd work thinking, all right, let me talk to you about the four main things, which is where do you do, where do you live and how long have you been together? Right. Yeah. Obviously those, great, are but- usually the, those are usually the things that happens when people do crowd work. Um, it works because you're engaging with the audience. But for me, I kind of like just riffing on the audience. Yeah. And that is to me, my type of crowd work is like, I like riffing on the audience. And so it's, you have to be very quick sometimes, I think. You got to think on, t- you got to stay on top of your feet. Because what happens is when people do crowd work, they're like, all right, so where are you guys from? And then the people answer, and then the comedian doesn't have anything to follow up with. Well, you know what it is? They they they're not li- they're not really listening. They're like, "Where are you from?" Oh, Seattle. And then they go, "Oh, I don't have a joke about Seattle." It's like, well, if you have nothing, then just ask like, uh, whatever. Like, so another question. And just, if you just keep asking, you'll get something eventually. But I think a lot of people like they're doing crowd work because they think they have to. But then they're really in their head about like, I got to get to my act. You know, you see it all the time. Seattle. Oh, never been to Seattle. Anyways, the other day I was at lunch and people are just like, what the fuck? It's just, right. it's just awkward. Like I will say if someone, you know, I'll, uh, and um, one of my things that I love doing is I'll get on stage and I'll be like, oh my gosh, where do you work? And they'll be like, or I'll be like, what do you do? And they'll be like, oh, I'm in finance. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. So anyway, and I'll literally just be like, I don't give a shit. Or it's like, yeah. oh my God. So anyway, so yeah. and then I'll go because it's like it's finding that moment where I'm interacting with them, but then at the point at the same time, I'm like, I really don't give a shit. Right. Yeah. And like and it's crowd work is not easy because it is learning how to interact with an audience that doesn't want to interact. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're you all know, you have to think of it that way. You have to think of it as this audience did not come in to interact. This is not an interactive audience. Yeah. Mo- they're, what they're used to is comedians getting up on stage and telling jokes. Mm-hmm. They're peering into our lives. 
Now, when you do crowd work, you've crossed that boundary and you've made it personal. Well, people are terrified too. Like I remember when I would go to my first comedy shows, I didn't want to sit up front. People all the time, they come, oh, we don't want to sit up front. We don't want to sit up front because they don't want to get fucked with or anything, you know? So they're, they're that. You sit in the back, bitch. I'm looking for you. <laughs> like, fuck that. I don't care. Like, I'll get the lights. The get the I'll lights go to up. the people in the back. I don't give a shit. I won't go anywhere. I will. I, I can't tell you how many times I've taken my microphone and walked off stage. Oh, I love that, dude. Because I'm like, I'm like, well, do I have to stand on stage? Is there, no. is there a rule? Exactly. So yeah. if I can go into the audience and actually legit be a part of a group, yeah. Then rather than just be shielded, then I'm going to do it. That's, that's me. That's not what other comedians do. Right. 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 So it's just all about like what's comfortable for me, but I see what you mean. I'm, I'll never forget. I was at Gotham once and I saw this guy, uh, Paul Mercurio. No, it was it Gotham. Might've been Gotham or, or the village underground, but mm -hmm. uh, this guy, Paul Mercurio. Have, do you know this guy? Yeah. I've heard his name. Yeah. Yeah. So he was hosting and like, He's a guy too. He like he starts going in the crowd. I'll never forget when he got off. Got pulled the microphone cord, bringing it to him. He's like, "What the fuck did you say?" Like going over there, and like blew my mind. I'm like, "Whoa, you could do that? <laughs> you could oh. do the stage and fucking go?" And like it was, it was killing, just killing, killing, killing. I remember I hosted Michael Verde's show at uh, New York Comedy Club. Yeah, I literally I was hosting the show. I got off the stage and sat on a guy's lap. Oh, I love <laughs> I was like, as long as they're laughing, I'm doing it. Yeah. That's it. You know? Yeah. And it's like, you want to, and I think one of the biggest things is it, if you're good at crowd work, you, you can be a good host. Yes. Yes. Right. And that's the thing is like a lot of people want to do crowd work, but if you're going to be good at, if you want to hustle at crowd work, then you know that you can also do hosting. But yeah. you can't host if you, you, you can't host if you don't do crowd work. Right. Yeah. Or at least attempt to learn how to be better at it. That's yeah. how I look at it. I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to bridge that gap for me where it's like, when I'm hosting, I actually, when I have to host it, I have no um, anxiety whatsoever. Cause it's like, I just got to be a, a cool person, just myself, talk to people, pump them up, get them clapping, get them laugh, like just do crowd work. When I actually have to do material, that's where I get like a little tense because like I'm trying to remember certain lines, certain bits. And I think the whole goal is to make whatever your hosting set, which is just you being you and your material the same. Because there's nothing right. more deflating when I'm doing crowd work. I'm going to get this crowd by calling them all gay or whatever, blah, 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 blah. Right. And I start going to my act and the last I was getting from the crowd work, you could just feel the dip. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, right. oh, my material sucks, balls. I've had that happen to me. I've had that happen where I've hyped up the audience so much because of crowd work. Yeah. But, you know, I'm learning how to keep the level there. And I think that's where you always grow as a comedian. Like yeah. I, I'm always learning. I'm always growing. I, I've, I recognize that. I completely see that sometimes where you're like, oh my God, you know, the crowd work is doing great. And then all of a sudden you start doing bits and people are like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> like, fucking shit. But it's so used to, I think they're so used to just you being on and in it and in it and in it. And then all of a sudden now you've changed the you, dynamic of the room. You feel it because it's, it's rehearsed. Yeah. It, it, it comes across as rehearsed and right. 
it's uh, it, the great comics. That's not what it seems like. The great comics, it just seems like they're up there off the top of their head and they say good night, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. You know, and that's the thing. It's, it's, it's true. It's like, uh, um, oh, shoot. He's uh, he's an Indian comic. Russell Peters, I think. Sure. Yeah. Big comic. Yeah, he's huge. I mean, the way he does crowd work and his set, brilliant. Excellent. Yeah. Brilliant. He knows exactly. And the thing about his crowd work is that he's not a, he's not in a different low uh, tone level when he's doing crowd work and his set. Everything stays the same. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think that's what happens is sometimes when you're doing crowd work, you're like this, you're like a thousand times amplified. And then all of a sudden you're going to start doing bits. Yeah. And, and it's like now you've taken that energy in the room and you've kind of let it go. So how do you, if you're going to do crowd work, and I'm still learning this, how do you keep that energy at least plateauing? It's almost like you're following yourself as another right. Comic. Yeah. How yeah. do you follow yourself? No, it's a very yeah. good point. Very good. Wow. All right, comedy shop, uh, comedy workshop 101 here. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I'm awesome. Someone asked me, they're like, how can I be a better comedian? I was like, I don't know. Yeah, come on. Don't ask me. Do not ask me. I was like, just, I guess, just have fun. I think that's the biggest thing is that for the longest time, I always thought comedy was a chore. I was like, oh, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. Yeah. And then I realized as I'm writing and as I'm having fun that it's more of just a journey about having fun. Yeah, yeah. A construct, I guess like a constructive fun. That's not a right yeah. word. That's a a constructive, I guess like a, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something yeah. like we that. We can put that on LinkedIn. <laughs> so let's talk about high school, baby. How oh my God, really? We got to do it, man. Where are you, where are you, so where do you live? Uh, right now? I'm sorry. Where are you from? Sorry. Well, I'm from Chicago. Uh, well, oh, not Chicago. I'm from Rockford, Illinois, but okay. nobody knows where that is. So I just tell everybody Chicago. You just tell everyone Chicago. How far out yeah. is it? Well, like an hour and 15 minutes north. Never eat sour wheat. Okay. No, that's, that's a bit of a lie. If you're on, if you're on a dating app and you say Chicago and they found it's Rockford, they're going to be a little upset, I, I think. <laughs> I feel like that's happened. They're going to be like, really? Really? Anything Chicago, over huh? a half hour out of downtown, I'm assuming is the suburbs. So I just tell people I'm from the suburbs. And even when I say people, even when I've told people I'm from the suburbs, they're like, okay, that's an entirely different city. I was like, you need to calm down. Yeah, right. It's relaxed. All right. Yeah, relax. Yeah. So, so well, I grew you... up in Rockford, Illinois. Okay. Where'd you go to high school? Uh, I went to Auburn High School in Rockford, Illinois. And the only reason that I went to Auburn in is Chicago. because I, the only reason I went to high school is because, it, and here's the thing. So I actually had two high schools that were closer to me, okay. but Auburn was across, like literally on the other side of the city. And yeah. so the only reason I went there is because I was in the creative and performing arts program. Ooh, all right. Which is another word for entry-level homosexuals. <laughs> so you so you went to a school, um, I guess, it was it a trade school, I guess? But it was for performing no. arts? It was no. just a regular high school, but this high school had a creative and performing arts program. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. 
What so, was it? Was it acting or what was the? I went for acting and dancing and music. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, how was it? Tell me about your time. Awful. It was awful. awful. Oh, come on. Okay, first of all, I was. You, you, you seem like heavier. someone. If I were to guess, you, you, you seem like someone that was the most popular kid. You had straight people being like, I want to be gay now. Like, that's the type of vibe I get from you. Of course, I was popular. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's just a given. But no, <laughs> high school was a. Oh, gosh. Let me see. I mean, I did get made fun of because I was in dance class. And I remember one dance, it was me and it, it was me and. I think 16 other black girls. It was literally me and 16 other black girls and we did uh, No Diggity. And I wore a oh green leopard, like leotard shirt yeah. and silky, like sequent neon green pants. Uh -huh. And I was doing this dance and I was straight. You're, you were pretending to be straight? Oh, I was straight in high school. Wait, what? Oh yeah, I had uh, I had like three or four girlfriends. What the fuck? I had no idea. Yeah, I had three or four girlfriends. I had so you're you're, uh, you're not gold star gay, right? What's it? Gorgeous. You had three girlfriends that were gorgeous. I mean, stunning. Like they turned out to be models. That's how beautiful they were. They must have had really bad personalities. How how are you having model girlfriends and you turn to calm down, sir? First of all. <laughs> I was very personable. I was very like that. They, I don't know if they knew I was gay, but I'm assuming they just liked me. I mean, I think I maybe kissed one or two of them, but then I was like, no. Oh, so you never, you never had sex with them? No, ew. Oh, you just had, you were just holding hands, going to the, yeah. walking to the locker, you know, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Wait, so why? So, would I yeah, and then I was in, uh, I was in theater. I yeah. never really got any of the popular parts. I was always cast as like uh, the rabbi, the mayor, the dead guy on a slab. Like those right. were kind of like my parts. Those are good roles. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I would have liked to have been, you know, I would have liked to have been Tevya in Fiddler on the Roof, but somehow I ended up as the rabbi. Right. You think, okay, interesting. So, but you said, you, why were people making fun of you? I mean, I was flamboyant in high school. Oh, so did you still have this, you didn't, did you have the gay voice when you were straight? What is gay voice? You're the second comedian <laughs> to ask me if I've had gay voice. Okay, we got what is if, gay voice? If someone, if I started talking like, if I had your voice, would you not assume I was gay? Even if it's not okay to assume, but would you have been like, he's probably, he's probably sucks some cocks. I mean, James, before I met you, the way you are, I thought you was, I thought you had suck some cocks. I not, I'm not surprised, man. I give up a very Metro vibe. And then you have a two minute conversation with me. But like, I also oh, no. remember, you have to understand, in high school, I was quieter. Sure. I also had extra weight on me. Oh, and okay. I was very much, you know, I was very much just like, I did theater, I did dance, I, but I was very much still like, I played some sports or something, I don't remember, mm -hmm. but it wasn't like, I wasn't like, oh, no, I was just very much, you know, I was talkative, but I wasn't flamboyant. Sure.
When did you, um, I guess we have to ask this. When did you figure out our, our gay like, voice? I love that. You're the, you know, a comedian at an open mic was like, he was like, so when you decided to change your voice, like when you were like, when you decided to have gay voice, I was like, okay, this is not going to end well. Oh, so see, I didn't even mean it. Like, I didn't mean like you switched it. I meant like, it's a voice that you always had, but then like you were just trying you to be become straight. more comfortable in who you are. Right. So for a while, um, you're just like, you know, instead of being like, hi, everyone, you're like, you're like trying to like, you're in the closet or whatever. So you're just like, oh, oh, yeah, hi, everyone. you mean like you're like your like true identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. I didn't mean you like one day you're like, I'm gay. It just started. <laughs> Yay. Like, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. Yes. So you'd be surprised. Uh, no, I, um, <laughs> wait, what was the question? No, so when did you, I guess, uh, I mean, I have to ask you, cause like, when did you like come out? Like, what, was it in high school? When did you figure out? Cause I you had hot girlfriends. Uh, I came out in 2020, sorry, 2000. <laughs> I thought you were joking. I was like, it's a pretty good joke. 2001, I came out in 2001. So I came out to my parents. My parents had divorced. And so my mother moved back to her respective country. My father was in the process of moving back to, so my mother moved back to Norway. My father was in the process of moving back to Turkey. And so I was just like, yeah, by the way, I'm, you know, I may like men or women. And my mother was upset, shocking. Mm. I was like, I'm shocked. But my father was like, all right, whatever you want to do. And what's interesting is my father actually comes from a more hardline conservative country. Interesting. And my mother comes from a very politically liberal country. Like Norway is just all about like gay love, right? Yeah. Turkey's like, keep that shit on the wraps. We don't want to know about it. You'll get arrested. And my father's like, yeah, whatever you want to do with your life, as long as you're happy and you don't hurt anybody. And my mother was very like, I don't know what I did, what happened. <laughs> My aunt, I love my aunt. She actually thought my college made me gay. She was like, that college you went to turned you gay. And I was like, I'm pretty sure it was the penis. What was the college? I went to Columbia College in Chicago. But I like to tell people Columbia yeah. and then leave out college. So then I it sounds out, like I'm smart. Leave out Chicago. Um, so that's, you know what I think? I think it's, I'm going to assume here, but I think your mom may have just like, I think a lot of moms get like this when their sons come out as gay, they like realize they're not going to have grandkids maybe, you know, you think I might have been something to do with it? I don't know. I think, I mean, first of all, I was a handful. So I don't even know. I don't even think my parents thought I was going to have children, even at a younger age. Right. I don't think my parents were like, oh yeah, this one's going to spawn off a few. This is why um, will not reproduce. Yeah, I didn't. I don't think my parents were, you know, uh, uh, set on me reproducing. Right. And so I think it was just more of the unknown than anything else. I think my mother was scared for the unknown, like she didn't know how to handle it. We yeah. did have, like, we've had, we have a few gay relatives, but we don't. Like, it was never, and it was always like hush hush. Yeah, and so and this is you know back in the early two thousands, so and yeah. early middle two thousands, so it was still kind of you know a little taboo back then. And I think my parents were just very much like, mm, 
let's, you know, uh, we don't talk about it. And then all of a sudden it was at the forefront and now they're like, we don't know how to handle this. Right. There's no, I mean, there's no handbook, especially back then. I think now there's more, there's probably like support groups, right. There's support groups and like there's hotlines and there's Facebook and social media. Yahoo answers. I'm sure you could just find out like a step-by-step. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember when I was in high school, there was a kid, he was in my, my, in my homeroom. He like sat behind me for four years. Did not know he was gay. Um, and he just came out one day, like out of nowhere. And, uh, he, he had, he started the gay voice. (laughs) Let you know. And I saw him at, uh, I think when I went home recently, rain from saying gay voice and just say true identity, true identity. Sorry. That's right. His true identity came out but the whole point i don't even know why i added that but the whole point was like it was shocking to the whole school like he came out on facebook i believe and the next day it's like everyone was like you know just like and i don't think i don't want to say my whole high school is a bunch of uh homophobes i think just no one knew how to deal with it like i went to i graduated 2010 so it was still like everyone was like, like, wow. And then eventually I think over time, like, um, I think people like approached him and well, no, 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 you know, no, no one, no one, he didn't get bullied or anything, but it was definitely like weird, you know, like what the fuck. And well, I think what it is, is, you know, when you don't, when you don't see a lot of it, you don't know how to handle it. Exactly. Yes. Right. So like if, it, like kids today, they can go on Facebook, they can go on Instagram, they can, you know, they can see people that are out and proud and things like that. So they they know how to handle it. But back then, before that, it was like, people were like, oh, I've never, and here's the thing, a lot of times people don't even know what, like back then, a lot of people still were like, what, what, I don't understand this. And yeah. so and what and that actually leads into comedy is that I remember one of the things is that the best way to approach taboo subjects is through comedy. Absolutely. And that's why a lot of people talk about certain topics in their comedy, because what they're doing is they're trying to approach a taboo subject through humor. Yeah. Well, people and, always tell you, like, when you're trying to, like, whatever, go for Montreal, which is, you know, what everyone's thinking about now. It's like, or your your sitcom or your TV, like what's what's unique about you? What's unique about you? And if you have something very unique, like I'm Chinese and Puerto Rican, like they always go, oh, that's it. That's what you got to talk about. That's what you got to do. And naturally- Did you do Just for Laughs? Did you do Montreal JFL? No, 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 no. I didn't. I, uh, I I read something recently that, there was something I, I didn't see anything, but someone made a comment that it was like weird the way they, they selected people this year. Um, yeah, I don't know what I know. There's I know a lot of stuff has been happening. I know a few people who actually auditioned for JFL. So yeah, I didn't even get an audition, so I don't even know what what happened. I, mean, but, uh, I, don't, I would like one, uh, but obviously, you know, I have to be ready for it because I don't want to go up on stage and feel amateurish. Yeah, I mean, there's always next. It's it's one of those things where it's uh, like I know some people that didn't get it, and you know, I'm gonna be on. Oh, we're comedians, so we're honest. It was one of those things. I heard the names. I'm like. Wow. Okay. 
And it, it's one of those that makes you feel a little better about not getting it because you're like, all right, there's clearly like, there's clearly like, they're looking for something specific. Yeah. Well, and I think that's how it is. Like that's, you know, I remember I did a, I remember I did a casting uh, call for NBC. And what's interesting is I was like, I got in and I did the casting. I was the only person who was not repped. And I got a casting because the woman saw my YouTube videos online and she was like, I want you to come in. And I was like, all right. Yeah. And they, you know, it was very specific. They were looking for a gay assistant. So actually I can say it now. It was the show with Ted Danson who is the mayor of California or Los Angeles or something like that. And he has a, like a gay assistant. And so they were looking for someone to fill that role, I think, or an assistant type role that was very, you know, POC. Yeah. And so I, I auditioned, but it just goes down to what are they looking for? Right? Like, what are they looking for? Maybe they were looking for someone who is, you know, uh, more who is taller and yeah. quieter or deeper voice, right? So there's just, it's one of those things where it's like, I know that if I go in and I do my best and if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It's just that at that time that I was not what they were looking for. It's not, it has nothing to do with you. You know, it's right. nothing to do with your talent. People take it so personally. And there's, like you said, like they could be looking for something completely, they could be looking for someone who's, six foot five you know you don't even know right. or looking for someone who's darker toned skin and then right the moment you get there they're like we'll see and you could but you could have been the best actor delivered it the best right um you just don't you're just warm what they're looking for so it's tough though because i feel like getting roles is almost like jumping through like a thousand hoops and you just everyone you're clearing like every little thing where you, you know clearing just getting the lines right then clearing the the height they're looking for the skin color the race and then you got to clear with the ad agency you got to clear with the producer the director the cast and then you just if you get in then but it's so many hoops man it's just well, it's kind of like finding it's kind of like finding some like a boyfriend girlfriend right you go through so many phases of trying to find the right person yeah and then at the end you're like we've gone through all this now we finally click right so it's kind of like, and then also it's like, I remember uh, I was talking to Eddie Brill, who's, uh, who's oh, a yeah. really, really, I mean, just all around such a great guy. He and used to book the Tonight Show. Yep, he used to book the Tonight Show with David Letterman. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you need to read the four agreements. He was like, uh, and I remember, and he told me, and I have it somewhere, but I have to find it. It is show up, do your best, don't take things personable and don't assume. And that's the thing is like, you can't take things personally. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's just, crazy. And also at the end of the day, we as comedians are business entities. So what we're doing is we're looking for people to invest in us. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like uh, you, when we do like JFL or when we do auditions, we are looking for people who want to invest in me, right? I need someone who's going to look at me and be like, I need to invest time in him. Yeah. And that time is stage time, right? 
Yeah. And that return is having an audience that enjoys themselves. And I think a lot of times as a, and I'll say this for the longest time, I didn't think of myself as a business entity. I just thought of myself as like this gay guy who likes to get on stage and do comedy. Yeah. But then as I started doing more and more and, and hustling more, I realized I am a business entity and I need to, Oh, I need to find ways for people to invest in me. And I think that's yeah. what's so big. And you're doing it, which is you're combining your set plus tweets plus content on Instagram. So now what you're doing is you're getting investment from people that yeah. are wanting to invest their time. And that time is in turn, in turn uh, retention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's also too. Once you start looking at it, the business side, that's also when it becomes less fun. <laughs> I know. There's a whole point where you're just. I, I think about it now. It was like open mics, just writing five shows, like, and now it's like during the day. All right, wake up, uh, uh, edit that video, uh, put out some tweets, you know, make a fucking TikTok, subtitle the TikTok, reach out to people. It's like, oh, right. and then and then you finally fucking get the right jokes and you're exhausted. And then you have to go on stage that night. It's right now it's a full-time job. I always say like when Eddie was doing comedy, Eddie Brill, um, I know he gave you the advice, but I feel like when he was booking Letterman, it was just like, you just get good at stand up, And then you, once you get, um, you, you kill, get your audition for JFL, you get seen and then you get a holding deal. Now it's just forget about it. You know, now it's, it's you basically got to create the own audience and then, then people will want to uh, fuck with you. Yeah. I can see your point. Like, I can see that. I, I don't know. I just look at it as, you know, it's, it's definitely a process, right? Sure. But if you, if you work hard, the process will reward you. Yeah. You know, and I think that, but you're right. It's, and I think that's one of the things that a lot of comedians did. I know myself included is that when the pandemic happened, all the comedy clubs shut down. So, 2019 you have a smattering of bar shows here and there and then you've got the clubs mm. now you've got the clubs and you've got a hundred comedy shows that comedians have started because they the clubs were closed so they were like i'm gonna create i'm gonna start my own show yeah and it's like one of those things where if you don't have a seat at the table you bring one Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the table. And that's why comedians now are, they have their own shows. It's like, if you look at it, it's a good business proposition. Not only am I getting my name out there, but I'm also getting stage time. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's like, it's always a hustle at the end of the day, being a comedian is a full-time job. It's always a hustle. And like, um, I got like seven different ways money are coming in. Um, and not to brag, but it's just, you know, it's, small amounts of money but you got to do it just to stay afloat you got to be doing 100 things that's uh, what i mean that's why though and real quick the, yeah. if you did you watch the joan rivers documentary i did it, I, I i i had a hard time uh getting through it I, I i remember i did try but it was on netflix right right and it was yeah. just her saying like she's like i have to keep working she's like if i don't keep working yeah, i remember that who's yeah. gonna pay all the bills who's gonna pay my assistants who's gonna pay the videographers who's gonna yeah. pay this she's like as a comedian you have to keep working and working and working i remember working. that yeah that was good what was i talking about that was all right um all right let me i want to ask you some more questions about high school um <laughs> so do you have any like uh 
memories that have stuck with you throughout the years? Any scars? Um, I remember I wore a fake fur coat to my high school prom. <laughs> oh my God, I was such a pimp. Oh my God, yeah. I was such a fucking Did you have pimp. a cane and a top hat? No, I didn't do that. I was like, I'm not, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not in Vegas. So I just had the fur coat. Right. Uh, I you, remember. Like, I'm sorry, did you, prom was, uh, was it with a lady or, or cause to the, I'm not sure when you graduated. So was it with a lady? No, I, it was, I, it was with a lady. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was with a lady. And then uh, what other defining moments? I remember I was pissed that I wasn't the one, I was not voted class clown. Oh, really? Yeah, I was, I was voted, uh, I, I don't even think I was voted anything. Yeah, I wasn't voted anything, but I remember this guy who was, not even funny was voted class clown and i was like really really i was yeah. like there's favorites it's all uh, i don't i think the teachers decide that so really yeah in my high school i never forget like they were announcing the superlatives over the loudspeaker i'm not even thinking i'm gonna get anything and then all of a sudden it's it was most dramatic i'm not even paying attention i just hear my name for most dramatic i'm like everyone's looking at me like oh look at that i'm like what the fuck you me dramatic like i hadn't i didn't even get it and then i found out I like i would have taken most dramatic anything right yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's it, they and they told me it was like the teachers uh decided so i guess i don't know i guess i was giving them shit for my grades or no i have no idea why i was getting i got into a lot of trouble so maybe that was that was why i was dramatic i can see that yeah, it was a, I, I thought it was cool to get suspended and get to 10. I thought it was cool to just be an asshole. Just to break rules for fun, literally for no reason. No reason. I can see that. Just slap, like, like uh, you know those little napkin dispensers at the lunch? At lunch? Those yeah. Things, I would just take them and just throw them over the place. Just, to, just, just for fun, dude. I just liked chaos and just being a douchebag and people, like, looking at me like, what are you doing, dude? I'm like, ah, fuck it. Anarchy. Just being a fucking clown. And look at you now, still throwing napkin holders. <laughs> I'm out of control. So, um, prom was fun. Um, so you said, did you try to be a class clown? Like, were, did you make jokes and stuff like in class? Uh, I don't think I, I don't think I tried to make jokes, but I was definitely sassy. Really. So uh, through that sassiness, I made people laugh. So I think I've always been like, I've always been a personable person. I have always been one to go and talk to people, no matter who they are or where they're from. Like I've talked to people on the train. Like yesterday I was sitting on the train and I was trying bits out on a random stranger next to me. What? <laughs> oh yeah. I was like, hey, let me ask you something. Let me ask you. I'm trying to, I'm a comedian. I need to work on some bits. Can I run some things by you? That's great. And yeah. she was like, no. She was like, okay. And then she was like, no. And I was like, all right, I like it. And she was brutally honest. So she, you did you did run them by. Oh, she mean yeah. yes, no, as to the jokes. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant she was like, she was like, no, you can't run them. Fine, go ahead. No, you can't run them. Like, oh no, yeah. I was able to run them. And then she was like, Yes, I like that. No, I don't like that. Yes, I like that. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. That that is amazing. But that's one of the things that I I have found that has worked for me. And I, and I think I've given this advice to 
a few newer comics mm-hmm. who are like, you know, uh, we're, you know, I, I'm tired of just going to open mics and, and you know, doing my bits on the same people. And I was like, all right, do your bits on the cashiers of wherever you go. Like I throw in a bit every once in a while when I'm at like a TJ Maxx or at the grocery store or yeah. at Dwayne Reed or Walgreens. I'll throw in a small tit, like a bit and see if it works. Just like out of randomness or even yeah. in a conversation with people and what, and like my friends, like I'll throw in a bit and that usually leads to, are you trying your jokes on us right now? Right, no, right. of course not, of course not. What do you, what do you think I am? Like writing, I'm like, write that shit down, bitch. Cause that's fucking funny. Right. So it's you like, also know it doesn't work. If you do that and they go, dude, come on. You're like, oh, okay, it's not. <laughs> it's right, not exactly. Yeah. But yeah. if they laugh, then you're like, okay, there's something there. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's like you don't always have to try your bits on just open mic. You can try your bits anywhere for it's that probably, matter of fact. I think it'd be better. Like if you, or if you can, like you said, you have a boyfriend. I have a girlfriend who's pretty honest. I would rather just run my shit by them than go to an open mic. Because at least they're listening. You just want people to listen. So if you sit down at TJ Maxx or whatever, and even if you don't tell them, but you're like, you're talking, having a conversation, like, hey, what's up, man? What's up? What's up? And you just throw one out and they're listening and they like you. That's more, that's a good, better feedback than when you're in a room of people that are pissed off because they're spending $5 and they're miserable and like, they don't know what the hell they're doing, uh, why they're doing this, you know? Yeah. I still like to go to open mics just to kind of like, you know, ground myself sometimes. To uh, to, uh, to check. Oh, wow. Okay. You want to just check yourself a little bit? Yeah. I like to just, you know, go to, you know, I like to go to open mics to, and plus it's a good time. I look at open mics as I want to rehearse saying something. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I remember, you know, I remember we, you know, I, I have the open mic in the meatpack uh, at um, over here yeah. at the Gansevoort. Yeah. Is it Gansevoort or Gansevoort? Gans, Gansevoort? I don't I know. Gans. I, think I remember Usama Siddique came and so Usama's like, just, you know, but he comes to the open mic and he'll run his bits just to, from what I'm, from what I assume, and I shouldn't, but from what I assume is just to kind of get familiar with how to say them. Sure, sure, and I, sure. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is like a lot of times you can use open mics as a way to just like run your bits how to say them. Sure. I don't expect a laugh, but it's practicing saying it in front of an audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right, and. Um... Yeah, that's something that's nothing I was battling with, with for a while. Is like, should I go do them? I did them during the quarantine, the pandemic, when it was back, just because there's no other stage time. Right. So at my most desperate, I will go do them. But recently I haven't been going. It's like I could do like it's like I don't have time. It's like I could just go, you know, if I wanted to at like six before a show. But I don't know. I'm getting more like I'm more just like I'd rather like use the time to write and then be more prepared when I uh actually go on stage. It's like, I'm definitely trying to be more quality over a quantity in terms of stage time. But I see what you're saying too. And you know, you're making me think like I should probably, cause it's, it is out of fear. Cause it's brutal, man. When you go to an open mic and like, it's just oh, yeah. your shit, you know? Of course. It, I mean, open mics, I was, I, I've always said, 
you know a crowd is you know a crowd you're doing well at an open mic if people look at you and not their phones yeah that's a good point yeah you're not really looking for laughs if you're getting laughs at open mics probably because you're you're saying something really fucking weird you know right like or you're riffing or stuff like that like right. rarely you're on a lap on another comic just like right. which I see all the time they're just like oh fuck that guy who was before me you're like what are you exactly but you know it's one of those things where i like to go because then it's also like i get to uh, i am not opposed for people coming up to me and saying i liked your bit why don't you try this instead yeah yeah me neither. Me neither. Because you get a different perspective. Like I would, it, you know, there's there's things that I'm like, uh, I like yesterday. I did a show at um, I did a show at the tiny cupboard, and it was barely making it. Always a fun show. And there was a woman there who's a comedian, and she wasn't performing, but she was just watching. And she like she came up to me afterwards, and she was like, "I love the joke." Can I give you a tagline? And I was like, sure. I'm yeah, never please. No. We um, we should know. uh we should do a writing session like whenever whenever you're free because I uh, I I can't I I wish I was a, a better joke writer. Like when I write something and I I think I have the punchline, it is so hard for me to like see another perspective. Like it just I I just I I kind of get obsessed with like trying to make that one thing work. Where it's like if someone else heard it, they'd be like. Well, why don't you try it that way? And I just can't, I can't literally, I literally can't step back sometimes, you know? Well, that's what I want to, I actually am trying to find, and I think I might do tomorrow night. I want to do something called like a, a bounce back yeah. where we don't actually go through a set. We go through ideas for jokes. Yeah, yeah. And I then like what it is, is we expand on that. So like, let's say, you know, I want to do, I want to talk about gay volleyball, right? Mm. And I've thought everything I could, but I need a different set of eyes and ears on this joke. Yeah. So tell me what your thoughts are on volleyball, sports, you know, things like that. Ask me questions. All right. So ask me, you know, well, what happens when you, when you miss a server, what happens when you do this? Cause then it gets my mind thinking. Yeah. And even though I may not like produce a joke, I can still be like, ah, yes, I remember that's what happens. So I, I kind of want to start like a bounce back open mic, but I also don't want it to be huge. It should be like four people max. Yeah. Cause the more people it's just going to be, you know, I like, I like the less, the first for the writing stuff, the sessions, I like the less, less, the better for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then you do feel like you're performing in a, in a, in a way when you're like, no. and I'm thinking, I'm like, you know, just do like a, a writing, uh, a bounce back open mic where it's for people. Yeah. And, and then you just spend like, you know, you spend one hour and each person, or you spend, you know, a half hour, each person gets five minutes. And you just talk about bits because after like 10 minutes, I'm already like, I have ADHD. So I can't. Yeah, no one wants to listen to anyone else um, stuff for more than five minutes. We're all selfish. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, yeah, exactly. Sharing. That's why I don't do improv. But no, I would love to do a writing session. Yeah, we'll, we'll connect and we'll figure something out. Um, yeah. All right, let's wrap up here. Um, I always ask this question at the end. We didn't talk much about high school. Um, but if you could go back and change anything, would you change anything? in high school. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's such a loaded question. Yes, it's making you think. This is bounce back right now. 
Do people have one? Like, do people have one or do they have two or three things? Now, you could have as many as you want. I will say most people say the same stuff, though. Most people be like, it's either like, no, nah, man, look at me. I'm fucking perfect. Wouldn't change a goddamn thing. Yeah. Or they go, I would have, you know, been like less in my head and stopped caring as much. Those are kind okay. of the two things. Um, I would have liked to have learned how to play volleyball. Okay. That's very specific. See, I like specific specifics. Yeah. So I would have liked to have play, learned how to play volleyball. So that way I could. My girlfriend, been... my girlfriend uh, plays volleyball. Um, maybe Competitive? She... Yeah. She's like, she played in college and she like plays every day. Like she goes down to Central Park in the sand and she like, yeah, she. What's your girlfriend's name? Shivani. Bigler? I think I know your girlfriend. Why do you do you play volleyball now? I played volleyball for the past six years. I played in last summer. All I did was play beach volleyball in Central Park. Oh, dude, then you definitely know her. She's she plays every day. She goes there with her little stupid ball. She's got a little bag and she brings a beer and she and she uh, she plays doubles and uh, she says there's one court that's for shitty people and there's one court for decent people. And she's like, fuck the shitty people. <laughs> like they can go to hell. Like, um, I only want to play with good. She's a snob when it comes to it, but she's Wait, obsessed with volleyball. You have to send me a picture of her. You must, if you're playing in Central Park, um, right by where the stamp New York does that in Sheep's Meadow, right? Yeah. Oh, you absolutely you know. know. I was there every single Friday, Saturday, Sunday last year. You absolutely hear Maybe I can show you a picture on my phone. You absolutely know her then because she goes all the time. But, oh my uh, gosh! As, I would. That'd be great. As, as I pull up a photo, wait. Tell me. Tell me your um. Okay. So I would learn how to play volleyball. I would learn how to eat right. Um, okay. and I would save all my money. Did you? Were you spending money like a like a drunken? When sale? I left high school, I was not conscious of finances. And when I got into college, I got into some debt. So I would have liked really? to have learned how to manage my money better in high school. Wait, come on. Where were you spending your money on? Uh, well, I got a few credit cards. And then, like, I wish someone would have told me that it's very important to have good credit. I did not know that coming out of high school. Yeah. Your because parents, your parents didn't tell you that? Well, I don't think they really thought about it. I don't think it was really that big of a deal that they needed to tell me about it. Right. The only, the only reason I ever learned about credit was when I moved to New York City. And yeah, they were like, you, you know, your credit score. And I was like, I don't know what that is. Oh, that's a bad, if you're, if you're trying to get an apartment and you say that, bro, they will literally just kick you out of the fucking place. Oh God. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I had just, I had to beg my management company to yeah. let me rent an apartment here. I would give them seven months rent up front. Wow. Jesus Christ. Bro, I I think when this is a joke, obviously, but like my credit score, which is great, was actually higher than probably my fucking checkings account when I got my place. And they still accepted me just because they, they just, for some reason, that's the magical number, you know? Oh, yeah. They want to see something in the 700s, high yeah. 700s. I think yeah. mine is at 575 right now. Fuck, dude. And then how long does it take to? It's so weird though, because mine goes up and down. Like, it, like, one, like I checked it the other day, down 25 points. I'm like, what did I do? I don't know. Every fucking day, it goes up and down. That's why I don't check it. I don't no, know. It's probably nuts. Yeah. It 
I check it like maybe once a month, but I don't check it. All I see is your credit score has decreased. Your credit score has increased. And it literally hovers around like, I don't know, 600, 575, 600. If you do anything, I think out of normal, like one time I paid half my credit card bill first. And then I paid with another account just because I had this extra and it went down like six points. I'm like, why? Just because oh, like, yeah. for some reason, it's so fucked. There's so, there's such, I don't know. Yeah. I think that credit score, it shouldn't have anything to do with your credit score. I think it should be, I think people should look at your credit history. If you've been, pay, if your credit score is like 700 or 600, yeah. but yet you've been paying your credit cards the same, like on time for the past tw- like 10 years, yeah, then why are you looking, you shouldn't be looking at my credit score. You should be looking at my credit history. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm lucky because my parents were really anal about that when they got me cards. Like they would, every first of the month, they'd, and I was such a dumb kid. Like they would just, um, they would just take money from me and make sure I paid it. Like they were really, oh, that, which is good. Uh, I wish mine would have done yeah. that. Yeah. Wait, I, I want to see your girlfriend. Oh, yes. Here we go. So okay. we have volleyball. We have, um, fuck me. Eating uh, better. Eating better. And I would have liked to have had abs. I was happy in high school. I was like a 38 waist. You have abs now? 38 was pretty bad. No, no abs 38? I'm I'm a 31 waist right now. So you do have abs? No. Oh, you didn't get... All right, so this is... uh, Those are three pretty good things, by the way. Um, Uh, yeah. Oh, I've seen her before. Yes. I've seen her before. What do you think of her? You like her? She suck? Be honest. I don't remember playing with her though. No, she's very. She takes it very seriously. She's uh. How tall is she? Yeah. Huh? How tall is she? Tall, like five three. Five four. Okay. Yeah. That's what. Maybe I'll I'll bring her up. I'll show him. I'll I'll bring you up to her later, and and maybe she'll uh she'll know. Is she? Ask her if she's part of the Central Park WhatsApp group. She should be. Let me text her right now, actually, because I don't forget. Are you part of the? Are you part of the CPVB group on Facebook and the WhatsApp group? And if she is, then I'll know that she is a player in Central Park. And then if she, she definitely is, that- I think she'll be on there. Are you part of the C- CPVB group on Facebook and the WhatsApp and the, and the WhatsApp group? Yeah, and see what she says. Because if she says yes or no, if she says no, then she's not really. Oh, I think she is. She, I mean, I unless she's been lying to me this whole time. Um, all right. So Oscar, baby. Um, great to have you on. Where can people find you? Where they, you know, just, what do you want to plug? You have anything important coming up? You're James, you have like, you have like 15,000 followers on Instagram. And I am like, uh, so I would love to plug wherever you post this, that I am trying to get as many followers on Instagram as possible. So you can find me on Instagram at it's Oscar Aiden. And if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I'm inconsistent, but I do tweet. And that is, I have gay DHT. Gay DHT. That's fantastic. Yeah. Everyone go follow Oscar. What, what are you at right now? 4,300. Okay. You're, you're, that's good. That's, uh, that's, we'll, we'll get that number up. So guys good. go follow Oscar, go follow him at a uh, gay DHD and, um, Go see him at Broadway and uh, go see him around the city. Oscar is fucking hilarious. Sit in the back, get heckled by him, get sexually harassed by him. Um, 
you'll know what I'm talking about if you see him. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you. Thanks, James.